Welcome, everyone, to the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Here on the show, we bring you interviews with business owners, executives, and key players operating in and around the Ottawa, Ontario, Canada region. We grab their insights on business, marketing, leadership, and motivation. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, we have Pat Woodcock. Pat is a former professional football player in the NFL and the CFL. He is a Grey Cup winner, a former Grey Cup record holder. Uh, He is also a business professional in the lines of personal training. We're going to find out all about what it takes to be a professional athlete today a personal trainer, and we're also going to get his Super Bowl pick. You're going to want to tune into this. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Uh, Joining me today on the show, we have a very special guest as we record this leading into the Super Bowl. We have a former team captain at Syracuse University, former NFL star, former CFL star, Grey Cup winner, Grey Cup record holder, and currently the owner of Elite Performance Academy, and more recently, the Elite Man Method, Mr. Pat Woodcock. Pat, welcome to the show. Paul, thank you very much, man. It's great to be here. Pat, you've got quite, uh, you've got quite, a, quite a resume, and I'm so excited to dive right into, uh, into the conversation today and learn a little bit more about yourself. Uh, maybe for the audience, maybe we could start off with, with sort of your roots here, Pat, and, and where, you were, where you were born. Was it Ottawa specifically? Yeah, yeah. I was born and raised right here in Ottawa. Um, born in Nepean, but grew up in Canada. Uh, spent pretty much my whole life out here. And, uh, and I mean, that's where I still live now, just, just outside of it in Stittsville. So this has always been home. And, you know, even when traveling away to play for various teams, uh, we always kept, kept our home base here in the off season. And, uh, and this is where we've stayed, uh, since my career has ended. Okay. Okay. And, and gro- so, gr- so growing up, like, 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 take me through this. Cause I've not, I mean, I'd be honest, I never had a guest like you on the show here growing up. What, what, what is Pat Woodcock? playing from a young age is, is, is it, is it the game of football or? Uh, so I started with soccer and then uh, started playing football when I was uh, nine uh, okay. and kind of played both of those until I think about 13. Uh, and then there was just, there was too much overlap at, at the time. And, and I was a little bit better at football and enjoyed it a little bit more. So dropped soccer, stuck with football. Uh, and then played a little bit of basketball and ran track through high school. But uh, yeah, football was always pretty much always the number one for sure. Okay. Okay. And what did both, you have? Uh, any, both, yeah, go ahead. Both, both my parents played touch football when I was growing up. And so it was, I was kind of always around the game and, and uh, they, they were big CFL fans and all that stuff. So okay. it was kind of a part of, part of my family's life. Oh, that's awesome. Did you go to Rough Rider games too? We did. We had season tickets in the second row of the South Side Upper Deck. Oh, you were Southsiders. Oh, that is awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you grew up with, with Steph Jones. Uh, yeah, he was he was playing when I was going to games. That's right. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow, that is incredible. That is incredible. Yeah. Did you ever? Did, were you ever sitting there at any point thinking I could be out there, or maybe I, maybe that is for me, or? Uh, not at that point, I don't think. Um, I think I. I mean, I always kind of aspired to it for sure. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, you put yourself in those scenarios, but I don't know if at that point I actually thought, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. Okay. It was always kind of. It was out there though. Yeah. 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 So you're playing city ball, is that correct? Growing up? Yes. Yeah. I played, I uh, started playing Canada. Well, it was Canada March Hares when I first started. And then we switched to Canada Knights. Okay. And then from there played uh, one year for Myers Riders and then one year for Ottawa Sooners before I went to school. Okay. Okay. And, and at what point do you begin to realize like I, this, this could go somewhere beyond this. Is that your year when, with the Sooners? No, when I was, uh, I think when I was 15, uh, yeah. we had a coach uh, for the Canada Knights who had played NCAA football down in the States. And so he, he took me aside one day after practice and said, you know, you, you, you've got some talent and some ability, and this is something that you might be able to do. And, um, and so I, you know, from kind of from that day forward, the, the scholarship was, was my initial goal and the, something that I was shooting for. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I, had success at that age and, and continue to have that success uh, kind of through the rest of high school, obviously. So um, that was kind of, uh, that was kind of the jumping off point to, to get me to the scholarship, which was obviously the first step to, to everything else happening after that. Okay. Okay. And what was the, what was the decision-making like? Cause if I'm not mistaken, did you not grow up a fan of the university of Michigan? I did. I did. I was a big Desmond Howard fan. Um, and, um, and yeah, watch, watch the university of Michigan, Michigan was one of the first camps that I went to, uh, as a high school kid, uh, okay. to get on campus and, and, and run around a little bit at, uh, in Ann Arbor at the big house. Yeah. Um, what was that like? And then, well, it was pretty awesome. I was, I think I was 14 <laughs> or 13 or 14 years old at the time. So you're yeah. in a stadium that seats over a hundred thousand people and, <laughs> yeah. um, kind of kind of mind-blowing that people do this <laughs> uh, coming from football up here obviously so um, yeah it was a it was a pretty awesome experience and then you know in terms of the recruiting process you know Syracuse just ended up being a better fit for me I had a really good feel for the coaches there um, okay. and obviously the proximity to home was was a big factor as well uh, you know two and a half hours door-to-door versus 10 hours door-to-door makes a big difference yeah yeah oh that's awesome that is awesome so so Pat Woodcock goes off to Syracuse and wh- what's, what's the biggest thing that that was a big eye opener or change for you going there? I think pretty much the whole thing, you know, you come from, you know, the old saying, you know, the big fish in a little pond becoming yeah, a little fish yeah. in a big pond. And that was a very big pond. You know, yeah. you walk into the locker room for the first time and there's an all American in this corner and an all big East player in this corner and um, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's, uh, it's an eye opener really, really quick. And, yeah. and obviously it becomes like a full-time job, right? Not only are you getting acclimated to becoming a university student, right. but you're training every day, you're practicing, you know, every day during the season, you've got mandatory study hall, you've got mandatory, this mandatory, that, and it's, it's a, it's a big culture change coming from, you know, yeah. community football here in Ottawa, where you practice two or three nights a week. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what's, what about the size of the, of the players, Pat, was that a big thing or the speed of the play? 
Uh, you, for sure. I mean, the, the speed of, uh, of play is just uh, on a different level from, from anything, no matter where you go to high school, uh, yeah. you can have some amazing high school programs in, in the United States. But when you step up every level that you step up, the speed of the game just magnifies by at least 10 to 10 to 20 times. Right. So, okay. um, yeah, I mean, obviously size is a factor and then you multiply that. And so now these guys are bigger, but they're also moving faster at the same time. So it's a, it's a big adjustment period. And, you know, thankfully I play a position where size isn't the most crucial thing. And you know, <laughs> my strong suit was being quick and fast uh, as it was. So yeah. I was kind of able to, to get in and, and still make an, an impact um, without having to, to worry about <laughs> getting up to size uh, right away. Okay. Okay. And what, uh, what was like not not only for for the you know obviously the the change of pace the the speed of of play what about just sort of getting used to guys and and acclimated to them what what was that like uh i mean it it was like going into any locker room i think i mean everybody was pretty welcoming and you know, okay at that, at that level you kind of have an understanding that hey we're all going to be together for the next two three four years depending on yeah. where you're at so yeah um you know, everybody's pretty and, and everybody wants to win. Everybody wants the same thing. There's obviously competition at the individual positions uh, as, as in any, any scenario. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it was very easy to to uh, to make friends with the guys and become part of the group. And uh, I mean, I think you just go through so much as a football team in terms of training camps and practices and workouts and and all those yeah. things that I mentioned before that, you know, it's like a, it's like a brotherhood forms pretty quickly. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. So, so what? It, actually, I was going to ask this. Ask this as well. Did you know anybody on the team, like before you got there? Or? When I went, so there was uh, two other Canadians there when I got there, both from Ottawa. Actually, they were brothers, Mark and Jeff Pilon. Okay, um, yeah, right. So they, they were my hosts when I went for my official visit. Okay. Oh, awesome. Um, and so, yeah, so I stayed with them. And then obviously I met a bunch of the guys when I was there on my visit and stuff like that. But okay. uh, beyond that, like I didn't know anybody from, from growing up or anything like that. It was um, just kind of, you know, being able to stay with those guys for that weekend sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Those are great guys. Yeah. I went to, went to St. Good old St. Pat's with them back in the day. Oh yeah. Nice. What, what year did you become captain there, there Pat at Syracuse? Uh, I became captain in my senior year. So that was the uh, 2000 season. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anything change with that? Like, was there a greater expectation from the coaches or? Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of implied, I think. And I mean, that's, that's something that's voted on by your teammates. So, oh, okay. you know, it's, it's kind of a, a scenario where you've kind of shown leadership already and the players have recognized that and voted you as a captain because of that. Yeah. And so, it's more or less just kind of maintaining what you're doing and being a leader and providing the example and, um, and showing guys the right way to handle yourselves, whether it's, you know, on the field in practice in school and, and all those things that play into being a captain in college. Okay. Oh, that is, that's great. That's well said. Well said. What was, what was head coach uh, Paul Pasqualoni like? Uh, he was uh, a very interesting guy. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I think he's one of those guys that I think you you acquire more of an appreciation for after you leave his presence. He's he's an awesome coach, and he was huge in in my personal development, and huge I think in the, the development of our program back at Syracuse at that time. Okay, uh, but he 
he's very tough. He's very hard. He's a screamer. He's a yeller. Um, he's okay. he, like he's done his way. So um, okay, it like it can be tough to deal with in the moment. But when you step away from it and you look back on it, it's it's something that uh, you appreciate a little bit more. Okay, okay. And what was I got to ask this? What was Donovan McNabb like? Uh, Donovan was awesome, man. He was. Yeah. Uh, he was honestly like he's he's the class clown. He's the biggest choker on the team. Oh, really? Um, and yeah, and uh, and you know, obviously, combine that with the fact that he's obviously one of the best players to to ever come through our program. Uh, yeah, made for a pretty pretty interesting guy, and and uh, just all around great guy. It was um, it was obviously a pleasure to to be able to be in the huddle and on the field with uh, with somebody like that. Okay, okay, and he's a he's a huge guy. He's a big man. Like. Uh, yeah, you know, he was big for a quarterback for sure. I mean, guys have, have gotten bigger now over the years, but at the time yeah. you know, he, he was big for a quarterback. Definitely. So what was it like? I got to say, ask this too. What was it like getting a, get Patrick, uh, catching a pass from somebody like him as that you're not used to? Well, yeah, I mean, it's always an adjustment when you're getting used to a new quarterback and, yeah. and, uh, you know, training camp and practice and all those kind of things you, you, you hope to work out all those all those jitters and get used to each guy and stuff like that. So when you come to a game scenario, it's, uh, it's second nature to you, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, at the time, right. I mean, obviously he was a great player at that time too, but you don't necessarily have a concept of what he's going to become yet. So right. Right. Yeah. Just, yeah. just my quarterback, man. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. Now, now for those in the audience that are listening that remember the infamous catch uh, from David Tyree of the giants on his helmet, was it, I think it was Rodney Harrison in coverage. Yeah. Um, David Tyree was was a wide receiver at, at Syracuse with you. Is that is that right? Yes, he was. I want to say he was two years behind me. So okay, uh, yeah, we were teammates for for two or three years. Yeah, uh, played together. Uh, we're obviously on the field at the same time at different uh, different <laughs> points of the seasons. And um, yeah, a, another amazing guy, just awesome person, and uh, you know, one of those guys who. Um, you know, I mean, he's famous for the catch, obviously, but he really made his living as a special teamer. And okay. that's, that's pure effort, right? That's just pure want to and effort yeah. and working harder than the next guy. And, you know, it was his his ability on special teams to uh, that really gave him an opportunity to stay on the roster and then, you know, be on the field as a wide receiver to have the chance to make that catch. Okay, yeah. And what, what was Dwight Freeney like? Uh, Dwight Freeney was a, was also an awesome dude. Um, he was just one of those, just just a natural athlete, just unbelievably talented. Um, not at the time that he first came, he was so naturally talented that he didn't necessarily have the, have the work ethic yet. Uh, one of the things that I love to say about Dwight is, you know, he he would walk into the weight room not interested in being there at all, and uh, say, okay, like, what do I have to do today? And, you know, the strength coaches would throw 500 pounds on the bar and he'd squat it and stand up and say, okay, am I done now? Um, that, that, that kind of guy, just whatever you put on the bar, he's going to lift it and, and try to get out of there as quickly as you can. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm always amazed at the speed of some of these guys. Like you see how big they are now, just how, how aggressive and how quick they are. Um, it, well, and Dwight was definitely one of those guys. So uh, when he, when he came out and ran at the NFL Combine, he was I think two hundred and sixty-five pounds. Okay, and he ran forty almost as fast as I did. So oh, that's, come on, it's a, scary, it's a pretty scary sight to see a, a big man like wow. that going down the field at that speed. Wow, wow. 
what was what was the biggest thing you learned, Pat, or or the biggest thing that had an impact on you at at Syracuse? Oh man, that's such a tough question, Paul. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, between football and and just living on your own for the first time. Yeah, true enough. Yeah, true enough. And developing all those things, I think you know that that whole you know four and a half years or whatever. Uh, that whole thing was a learning experience, and and that whole that whole time there is really what um, shaped who I am today, and and uh, and everything that I've done since that point. Okay, okay. Did you ever get a chance to meet any of the Syracuse greats over those years, like Jim Jim Brown or Floyd Little, Larry Zonka? Or... Yeah, a lot of those guys came back and would talk at various times. So um, I definitely met Jim Brown and Floyd Little. I don't recall Larry Zonka ever coming back. Okay. Um, but Coach McPherson was back almost all the time. Okay. Uh, I used to see him a lot. Uh, quarterback Don McPherson, uh, he was uh, runner-up, I believe, for the Heisman one year. Uh, he came back and, and spoke at, at various times. So, yeah, it's it's always great to to have those guys come back and you know just have that um, that that touch to the to the past and to the history of of what our program had been and, and how we got to where we were. So I'm assuming you're 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 still dialed in on the games on Saturdays and. I am. I am. It's been a frustrating few years, but uh, <laughs> I'm still I'm still decked out in orange and uh, oh, good to whenever I can. Oh, it's, good uh, it's tough to it's tough to watch as an alum sometimes. <laughs> what What did you study, Pat, at, at Syracuse? Uh, I got my degree in marketing, actually business. Oh, good for you. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Excellent. So so just to go follow follow sort of you know, your, your trajectory, you, you graduate from Syracuse and then now, did you get, did you get drafted by anybody in the NFL? Uh, in the NFL? No, no. I okay. signed as a free agent uh, with the giants. Uh, I was drafted by Montreal in the CFL draft. Okay. Okay. And then that's, that was your first stop is, is the giants, right? Yes. So how did how did you get to the Giants? Like, did they just have an open session and you went walked on, or? So they so every year, basically every school runs what's called a pro day, which is essentially the NFL Combine, but shrunk down onto every individual campus for all of their rising seniors. Okay. So uh, so everybody has a chance to run. The NFL scouts come, uh, depending on who's run, like to who you have at your school more scouts might be there. So we had a lot of guys who were going to get drafted. So we had a lot of scouts that came to our pro day. Okay. Um, and I ran very well. Um, I was quick and fast and, and did tested very well on that day. Um, and then one of our corners was a first round pick. And so I would, he was the guy that I went against my whole career. We were at the same level. Oh, awesome. Um, at the same time. So um scouts knew that he and I had worked together over the years and, and when we did our one-on-ones and that kind of stuff. So uh, being able to run against uh, a first round level talent every day that shows up on film and, and those kind of things. And so then when I perform well at the pro day, you know, the scouts kind of had a feel for, for who I was. And okay. um, the giants obviously were, were one of the teams that called to, uh, to offer me the free agent contract. Okay. Oh, that's very nice. So were you, so, so you tried out, did you come home or were you still there when they offered to you? Uh, so basically how it works is like you fit at the end of the NFL draft. If you didn't get drafted teams yeah. that want you as a free agent, they call you or call your agent and, and make an offer. 
So the draft ended. I didn't get, did not get drafted, uh, but I had three teams that called and offered me a, a contract that we were considering, and uh, the Giants ended up being the best fit. So uh, once okay. I agreed with the Giants and we signed that contract, then uh, the first rookie mini camp, I believe, was the, the weekend after or two weeks after the draft. So okay. once the draft finishes, then you, you head down there and, and uh, kind of get the ball rolling. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Now, were you a Giants fan growing up or? Uh, not particularly. I didn't really have an NFL team growing up. We were okay. We were primarily a CFL household, so okay. Uh, I would okay. watch. I would watch NFL games, but I didn't have a team that I cheered for particularly. Okay. Okay. So what's 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 the? I gotta ask. What's what's the change there? You you saw the the change at college. What's the change at the pro at the pro level? Same thing, man. It's just the, the speed of the game and, yeah. you know, at every level that you get up to, then guys have fewer and fewer weaknesses, right? Um, yeah. Everybody's a step faster. Everybody's a little bit stronger. Everybody knows the game and knows how to do, you know, how, knows how to play it right. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's just that next level. And, and honestly, probably the biggest adjustment there was the playbook. It was um, – just trying to, so our, our offensive coordinator that year was uh, Sean Payton, who's the oh, head wow. coach of the now. So his wow. play, yeah, if you've ever, if you've ever seen the NFL films of him making play calls, they're yeah. like 20 words long and they include <laughs> like shifts and motions and this and that and all over the place. So, you know, as a rookie who's been there for a week, you're standing in the huddle, the quarterbacks finished the play call. He said break, and you're still trying to figure out where you're supposed to line up. So, um, that was that was the biggest adjustment point at that at that particular time was just learning the playbook in the in the in the pros. Okay, okay, and and how many how many games did you end up playing with the with the Giants? I was with the Giants. I got released in week three, so I was there for the first two weeks. Okay, um, and, then, and then got released uh, during the week, right after sort of right after the game in in uh, week two. Okay. So, so what's Jim Fossil like as, as a head coach? Uh, I mean, he was a good coach. I mean, I wasn't there that long, obviously, yeah. but, um, but again, like a very, like by the book kind of guy, not necessarily a screamer yeller, but wants okay. everything done his way. And, and, uh, and, and obviously very in control of that situation. They had gone to the Super Bowl right before I got there the season before. Yep. So yep. Uh, very successful, you know, knew how to run the team and, and uh, yeah, he was one of the things that I really liked about him was um, when when players got released, like he met with you personally. It was, oh, really? Wow. Somebody else and whatever. Like when they released me, he brought me into his office and explained everything. And it it was uh, it was, oh, it was nice, nice to hear from the, from the head coach because I didn't get that experience from all the teams that I played for. OK. OK. That's very interesting. Very interesting. What about, I got to ask, what about Morton Anderson? Like he must've been like 80 when you yeah. were. <laughs> I, th I think he was 40 at that time. So yeah, he was, uh, he was, but he was awesome. Like he had just obviously so much life experience at that time, yeah. right? All fresh out of college and um, yeah. young. And was he in good shape so. or what? Like, like he could, he could still boot it at 40. Well, yeah, he was in shape for a kicker. He was, uh, he was good. He could, he yeah. could, he could definitely kick. And but he was, he was an awesome guy for sure. He was, uh, he was a lot of fun to be around in the short time that I was there. Wow, wow. And well, I got to ask, what was Strayan like? Did you meet Strayan? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, you meet all the guys, and and uh, Mike's obviously a big personality, so you're not going to yeah. miss him anytime you're in the locker. You can't miss the smile. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, or the voice, <laughs> or the voice, yeah. <laughs> No matter where you're in the building, you know when Mike has arrived. <laughs> was he was he a loud guy like that or? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was always always the center of attention for sure. 
So, so your, 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 your season with the Giants is, is, is cut short. Did you immediately go to Montreal after that or? Yeah, I waited a couple weeks just to see if anybody from the NFL was going to pick up my rights. And, okay. uh, and when that didn't happen, I came up and, and finished the rest of that season in Montreal. Okay. Okay. So, so you're, you're walking into Montreal now. I love this. You're walking into Montreal and you walk into the dressing room and, you know, did you know Ben Cahoon before you got there? Like, I, I love Ben Cahoon. The guy was incredible. No, I, I don't think I, if I'm thinking back, I don't think I knew anybody. I'm sorry. That's not true. So Adrian O'Belly was there. Um, and okay. he had been in, in training camp with the giants with us. Oh, so okay. He got, he got oh, he's a character. So he was already up in Montreal. Okay. Um, so that, I think that was the only guy that I actually knew in the locker room personally before I got there. Okay, let's just let's just get into him for a little bit. What was he like? He was he looked like quite the character. Uh, Adrian is like still one of my best friends uh, from, okay. from pro football. He's yeah. just an unbelievable guy. He's uh, okay. he's, ex- he's exactly how you see him on TV. Exactly how you see him in interviews and stuff. That is one hundred percent him. Um, he will give you a kiss on the forehead as soon as you see him, and a big hug. And and that's he is a big big personality. Oh, that is awesome. That is yeah. awesome. So, so now you pivot to, and I, I I gotta, I gotta keep asking about these head coaches. I love uh, the different personalities and what was Don Matthews like? Cause he was so legendary in the CFL. Yeah. So Don is the exact opposite of those other two guys that we just talked about. Oh, really? He He is not a hard ass. He is very easygoing. His philosophy is uh, you're here to play ball. Yeah. And as long as you do your job, you can get it done in whatever way you see fit. Okay. So his, his practices were very relaxed. Uh, his locker room was very relaxed. Meetings were, you know, his, his philosophy to coaches was, so a lot of football coaches love to have meetings. They just want to have you in the meetings and watching film and all that kind of okay. stuff. Yeah. Don's philosophy was, if you don't have anything to meet about, then don't meet. Don't okay. create meetings for the sake of having meetings. If you're done, let them go early. Like it's all good. Yeah. So obviously players love being around that um, and love that, that type of attitude. Um, you got to have the right kind of team to make that kind of attitude work. Uh, yeah. But thankfully in Montreal, we did, we had the, the right mix of guys to, um, to, to kind of get things done, even in, in that relaxed environment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talk about that leadership. I mean, what was Anthony Calvillo like? Yeah. Well, and, and that's, I think Anthony's the perfect example of why that kind of philosophy from Don worked in Montreal because Anthony was obviously the leader of the team, but he was also the hardest worker. He was the first guy in the film room. He was okay. the last guy to leave after practice and he was on point with everything. And you knew, you know, as a receiver, as an offensive guy, whatever, if you wanted to play, you got to be at his level and, and, and raising your game to, to match what he's, his expectations are. Okay. Um, and so, uh, you know, like we had leaders like that across that team that, that kind of forced everybody else to, to raise their game and, and make sure that they were on point with everything. Okay. Okay. And was, was Ben Cahoon the same? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Those, those two were attached to the hip pretty much. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. and I mean, their, their success together shows that. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. 
Okay, I want to go through the 99-yard touchdown, Pat, in the uh, in the 2002 Great Cup, which which was a record sure. at the time. It's been it's been broken since, but yes. It, did you know that was like it was a straight? Was it a go route? It looks like a go route. Was that it? Uh, it was called a diagonal. So essentially, it's a go route, but I'm going diagonally across the field instead of just straight vertical. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean that was. Um, at that time in that offense, we had almost every play had kind of a man read and a zone read for Anthony. So on one side of the field, the receivers would be running a, a man coverage combination. Okay. And on the other side of the field, the receivers would be running a zone route combination. So once the ball was snapped, Anthony would read the defense, see where the best fit was, and then move to the right um, sort of the right route to hit. Yeah. The open base on coverage. And so we had kind of seen early on that when they played zone, they um, they had a certain guy covering the middle and uh, he wasn't the fastest guy necessarily. So normally I lined up on the wide side, uh, sorry, to the short side, but outside wide receiver. So for this okay. particular play, I was in the slot closest to the quarterback to the wide side of the field. Uh, and we knew that if they, they ended up in a zone, I would get across the field before he had a chance to cut me off. Okay. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Anthony was able to hit me right in stride. Yeah. Uh, and I caught the ball right in front of that safety before he was able to get up and make a play. Yeah. Uh, and then once he missed the tackle, it was just off to the races from there. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is a great play. I got to admit, I, I went back to watch that. Yeah. And I don't know. If, I'm assuming you remember this the next touchdown that Montreal scored from Copeland. And yes. the block that you laid, I mean, like <laughs> you just flattened the guy and then Cahoon comes in behind and flattens the next guy. Yeah. It's uh, you know, we don't always like to block in the, in the running game because they're, you know, guys, the defenders are expecting us to be blocking. So you yeah. know, we do it as best we can, but when guys are running free and receivers have the ball, man, we want to help our guys score. So <laughs> yeah. we're, we're looking for, we're looking for those knockout shots when the DBs aren't looking. <laughs> well, that was, well, that was quite the block. Wow. That was incredible. That was, that was incredible. So, so you win, you win the great cup. You've, you've got the record. Uh, and then wash, is it Washington calls you? Uh, yes. Yeah. So Washington called again, I had a, a couple different offers, uh, Washington, uh, at the time they didn't, they didn't want, they didn't need me to come in and do a workout or a tryout or anything. They wanted to offer me a contract right on the spot. Oh, awesome. Um, so we did that and uh, um, yeah, I mean, had a good experience in Washington. It, it was not, you know, um, were you there all year? What's that? Were you there all season? No, no. I just, I went to, uh, I was there throughout the, uh, the off season workouts and then all of training camp and then got released right before the start of the season. Oh, uh, sure. Kind of in those last cut downs before the season started. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, it was, again, a good experience. Met a lot of great guys. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, if you look at the success of or lack of success of that team at the time, yeah. um, just, it wasn't as well-run an organization. And, um, okay. you know, there was things that, that could have been done better for sure. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was a good time to be there. It was obviously another great experience and, yeah. um, you know, something that, um, that just added to my toolbox moving forward. What was, what was that? That's, you know, that's very well said uh, to add to the toolbox. I like that. Very well said, Pat. What, what was Steve Spurrier like? Would... Yeah, no, not a, not a great coach. Um, oh. I think he was, you know, I think he was out of his element a little bit in, in the NFL. Um, yeah. 
Because that's is, a big jump for him. Yeah. I mean, he was obviously incredibly successful in college and had a system that, that seemed to be unstoppable when he was at Florida. Um, but that system just didn't translate to the NFL where, you know, there's not so much of a disparity between the level of athletes that you can recruit. Okay. And so, you know, the system relied on just athletes being better than the opposition. And in the NFL, it's just not the case, right? You're just not going to have across the board guys that are better than everybody else. So uh, his system really didn't work. And, you know, there wasn't, uh, I don't know if he knew or, you know, just, there just wasn't enough coaching and adjustment to, to help guys overcome that, that system. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, he didn't last very long. You know, we didn't win very many they didn't win very many games when he was there. And yeah. Um, yeah. So he was, uh, you know, I would say he, he, he's a good example of, of somebody who like is a really great college coach and it just didn't translate to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Well said. What about champ Bailey? Did you ever go up against him when he was there? Champ is the best corner that I ever went against in my life. Really? Hey, eh? Oh my God. This is music to my ears. I'm a, I'm a lifelong Broncos fan, man. You're Oh, is that right? Oh yeah. my gosh, man. I, Champ was like the most frustrating guy ever because he is whatever he was, a 6'2", uh, super long arms, yeah, um, super intelligent, and okay, probably the, still the fastest guy on the field. Really? So, so he, you know, as a as a receiver, one of the things that you want to do right is you want to you want to kind of put fear into the defensive back that you're going to run by him, right, yeah. and get him to open up get out of his back pedal and challenge him so that you can, you can change his hips. Okay. Well, Champ wasn't afraid of anybody. He knew that even if you did get a step on him, he was going to catch back up to you and he okay. wasn't scared of being beat deep or any of that stuff. So he just sat on everything and uh, yeah, it was impossible to get him moved. Oh, that is awesome. What was he a good guy too? Or? Oh yeah. I mean, it, I don't think I, there's very, very few guys that I've ever been in a locker room with or, or anything like that, that I would say like, man, I really didn't like that guy. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I think as, as teammates for the most part, everybody's pretty supportive and, and welcoming. And, and yeah. certainly I didn't come across like too many guys that, that I would have a bad word to say about. Okay. Okay. And, and, and was Bruce Smith still there? I think he was there. Jeez. Mm, I can't remember to be honest. I kind of okay. think that he was. Um, cause I think he finished up there in Washington, but I don't know if it was, old. yeah, he, he did. And you know what? I'm not a hundred percent on that, Paul. Okay. 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 That's really good to hear about champ. I can't, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm surprised, but, uh, yeah. that is, that is what the other thing I was going to ask you too, like, what, what was his backpedal? Like, cause I've heard so many guys talk about his backpedal saying like, it was almost as fast as him running forward. Yeah, I mean, well, he didn't just pure backpedal a lot, right? So he would kind of sit at five or six yards and kind of shuffle back with you. Um, okay. And like I said, he would kind of sit between that, you know, six to 10 yard range and wait yeah. for you to run your hook or your out or whatever so he could jump all over it. And then yeah. if you did happen to run a go or a post or something, well, then he would just open up and catch you. So it's not like he was ever in a straight line backpedal very often. Okay. But uh, he did everything fast. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, so you finish up in Washington and then what's the next step? You're coming back home. 
Yeah, so I, I finished, uh, got released Washington, went back to Montreal to finish off that season. Okay. Um, we went back to the Great Cup that year, but lost, unfortunately, in, in the championship game. Um, and then after that, I was a free agent and, uh, and ended up coming back here to Ottawa to play. And, and this, is with, this is with the Renegades, obviously. That's right, and, yeah. And, and what's, I got to ask, what's, what's Joe Pau like? Joe is an amazing man. He's like, uh, he's like the nicest guy ever. He's like, he's like everybody's uncle, right? He, he um, is super supportive. Definitely not a screamer yeller. Um, you know, practices are a lot of fun and, and uh, you know, he's, he's very much about building relationships with players and, um, okay. and not, he's not as transactional as some guys are in the pro Okay. Level. Okay. And you and you come back and 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 you're you're with the Renegades and Kerry Joseph's on the team. What what was Kerry like? Kerry was awesome, man. Kerry was uh, Kerry was I think probably the, like the consummate leader. He was very much in command and and uh, kind of setting the example in terms of work ethic and taking control of the huddle and that kind of stuff and and, yeah. and motivating the team. Um, and he was uh, yeah he was he was a great teammate. I, I really loved playing with Kerry and and. Uh, He's, he's one of the guys that I you know I try to keep in touch with as much as I can. Uh, oh, awesome! My, uh, where, what's what's he up to now? He's uh, coaching in the NFL now. I believe he is with I'm trying to say the Saints. I think he's an okay. assistant. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And of course, Mark Pelon was there too. And yeah, Mark was there for a little while. Um, yeah. I yeah. remember cheering him on from from the stands there. And yes. That was, it was a little bit of a painful time. Wasn't it? Was that the, no, that wasn't the Gleibermans. That was the other group. Uh, I forget the name of the guys. Uh, well, yeah, we started with uh, sort of the Waters group. And yeah, then, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We finished with the, um, finished with the Gleibermans at the very end before they folded. Yeah. 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 Was there any additional pressure at, when you played with the Renegades in 05 because they were hosting the Grey Cup? Uh, that was 04. Or 04, um, okay. Yeah, and um, I, I don't think so. I mean, you know, unfortunately, like, we weren't a great team at the time. So, okay, um, you know, the pressure for us to, to – to, was really just to make the playoffs at that time. So, you know, yeah. obviously we talked about it and it was like, yes, it would be awesome to be in the Grey Cup. You know, <laughs> yeah. home. Uh, but, it, yeah, it, it was not going to be in the cards that year, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you finish up with Ottawa and then you're off to, to Edmonton. Yes. Yeah. What was, what's that like? What's Danny Machocha like? Um, Danny was, um, Danny was an interesting guy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Danny, you know, I think he kind of fell into that. Um, sort of what I said, the opposite of Joe, He, he was a little bit more transactional. Um, and, um, yeah, I think he, he had some success in Edmonton. It didn't come until after I had left there. Um, okay. Yeah. At the time, at the time, I think where things were a little bit disorganized, but, uh, he, he was a good coach. And I mean, he went on to win a championship and do some good things in Edmonton and, and continues to do that in, uh, in university football now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, you're walking into that that roster the the first year i mean there's ed hervey there's there's daryl mitchell i mean oh yeah we had some ballers in that group for oh, sure man like those those guys were and then ricky ray what what was ricky ray like he looks like a very quiet dude yeah he's very low-key um okay 
you know, great leader, but not in terms of commanding the room sort of thing, but more in sense that like, you just, you just know that he's going to be on point. He's going to be at his best. Yeah. Um, and, um, but yeah, very, very quiet. Not a, not a big talker. Um, just okay. goes out with his business and, and make sure that he does it at, at the highest level. What was, what do you remember Joe Montford? What was Joe Montford like? <laughs> Joe was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Joe, Joe was another big personality and, you know, yeah. Those big defensive guys like to come in and talk trash all the time. So he was uh, he was good for that for sure. <laughs> was there was there any additional pressure there in Montreal to make the playoffs in 2016? Because you know you got that 34 year history going, and and then you want you want they had won the Grey Cup the year before. Or? Uh, sorry, in 2016, Paul. Uh, sorry, no, my my bad. In 2006, my bad. 2006. Okay. Um. I'm trying to, I don't, I don't recall there being any extra pressure. I mean, okay. you know, there's always, yeah. I mean, there, there's always pressure and depending on, you know, the situation, like you said, like something yeah. can be talked up in the media and, and um, you know, br- brought up over and over and over again. So you start to think about it a little bit, but yeah, as a pro, you know, your, your, your livelihood and, and is always dependent on production and winning games and, and getting your job done. So, I mean, yeah. there's, there's pressure every single day in pro football. But that's, I mean, that's, that's kudos to you to go from, you know, all these different teams and, and be able to fit in and, 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 and work with it and have success. I mean, that's that, I think that says a lot. And even in those situations where you're, you know, in, in like in Washington, uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, it's, it's, I get it. It's part of that toolbox, right? Being able yeah, to exactly. figure out where you fit and, and where your skill set applies the best and, um, yeah, and you know how to how to acclimate with the locker room and, and become a leader, even though you're a new guy and, and that kind of stuff. So right, right. And again, that goes back to I think you know things that I learned at, at Syracuse. Some of the guys that I was around at that time, um, being able to show me like how to do those things, and and even if they weren't, you know, here, Pat, this is how you do this, but you yeah. just see them do it, and you see how they have success with it, and see how people respond to it. Yeah, yeah. Now you finish up your your playing career in Hamilton in 08 and what you had the change in, in head coach midway through or towards yeah. the end of the season to Marcel Belfi. What was Marcel like? I mean, he, he's an offensive guy. Yeah. Mar- Marcel's a, a lot of fun to play for. Um, I mean, that system is um, the system that, they, well, at least that we ran at the time, it was, it was a lot of fun to be in. There's a lot of opportunities to, get, to catch the ball and make plays. Yeah. Um, it's always tough when a coach comes in mid season, just because, he might not have the guys there that he would never really put in certain situations. And it's just, okay. you know, it's disruptive all the way around. But um, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, he's had success pretty much everywhere he's gone. So uh, he was, uh, he was fun to play for. And uh, yeah. again, given that he's back in Ottawa, he's somebody that I, uh, I see every so often and get a chance to talk to every so oh, often. Oh, awesome. Well. Awesome. What, what was Casey printers like? Well, at that time, Casey was. Cause um, he was just coming out, wasn't he? Well, no. So this was, so by the time he got to Hamilton, he had already, he had had his big year in BC a few yeah. years earlier, gone to the NFL for a little while. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That didn't really work out well for him. And then he had come back and that's right. I think he was, he was kind of, uh, he felt like, I think he belonged still in the NFL and, and I think, you know, his, uh, it didn't really translate for him well in Hamilton. Okay. I think he, yeah, it was it was struggled, and, and we ended up like we ended up playing a lot of other quarterbacks during that year just to to try to generate some stuff because it wasn't really working. 
Okay. Okay. And what was Jesse Lumsden like? He looks like just a beast. Yeah. Jesse was awesome, man. He was one of like, if he could have stayed healthy, he could have been one of the best that ever did it, man. He was, he was fast yeah. and strong and quick and he could catch the ball. He could block, he could kind of do a little bit of everything. He was, uh, he was a lot of fun to, to play with and, and uh, very uh, like an awesome guy in the locker room. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so did you know, Pat, like, Oh wait, was going to be, this was going to be it. Uh, no, not for sure. Um, when I finished, uh, when I finished my contract in Hamilton, um, they, they weren't going to bring me back. And, uh, I had a couple teams that called, uh, but the, the, the year previous, uh, those teams had had like really terrible offenses and, uh, okay. uh not been successful. And, and one of them was out West as well. And, and so yeah. I really didn't, at that point in my career, you know, Hamilton had been a tough year. I yeah. really didn't want to go through another year of miserable offense like that. Yeah. And I didn't want to move back out West. And so I waited and said, you know, I'm, no, I'm not going to sign with you guys. I'm going to wait and see if anything comes up in the East. Yeah. Nothing really did. And I had kind of, you know, moved on to other things in the meantime and, you know, kind of the season went and nothing happened. And I, you know, I never really actually even officially announced my retirement. It just kind of, you know, I was, uh, when I didn't get picked up, I moved on to other things and, and realized that I didn't really miss it that much. So I okay. think it was a good time for me. Uh, yeah. Like I said, at the time, I didn't know it was going to be the end, but right. I think it was, uh, I think it was pretty much the right time. Were, were you starting the business then? Is that, is that, was that right around that time or? Yeah, I had started, um, I had started training a few people and we had run some speed camps and Okay. Uh, a football camp and that kind of stuff. So, so you're focused kind of on something else other than football. Yeah. I, I had certainly started the process for sure. Yeah. Um, I was still training and preparing as if uh, maybe I was going to go back and play again, but okay. uh, at the same time I was, I was moving in another direction. So um, yeah, it certainly, it certainly kept me occupied and, um, and, yeah, and like helps. I said, it certainly made the transition pretty seamless. Okay. Okay. So just, just to wrap up all of your playing, who, who would you say was the best coach you ever had? Out of uh, all Because you had a lot. The, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's tough to, to quantify. I mean, obviously, again, going back to probably just the time in my life and, and that kind of stuff, yeah. I'd say in terms of developing who I am, I'd have to say Coach Pasqualoni. Um, yeah. But certainly the, the most fun and the best time to play for, that was Don Matthews for sure. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What about best quarterback? I mean, is it Donovan hands down? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Again, I played with some pretty amazing quarterbacks. I I know. I two of the, two of the maybe top four or five quarterbacks in CFL history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Plus, you know, somebody who should be an NFL hall of famer. So, you know, uh, in terms of overall, uh, man, that's, that's a real tough choice. You know, you, you, you probably have to say Donovan, although at the time, you know, he was still two years ahead of me. So I didn't have a ton of time playing with him as, you okay. know, as, as, you know, we had some time, but uh, I was still a young guy when, when he was graduating. So yeah. um, from there, I'd have to go to, to Anthony for sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And best teammate, best teammate you ever played with? Oh man, that is a tough one. Um because there's so many different types of great teammates. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll tell you one of my favorite teammates that we haven't talked about yet is, uh, is Yo Murphy from Ottawa. Um, he was, uh, he was another wide receiver and he is a guy that came, came to Canada with some NFL experience. He played in yeah. the Super Bowl. 
um, and uh, played for a lot of different teams in Canada, but he was just a, just a natural leader and uh, a lot of fun around a guy that she like just knew how to be a pro and and just exuded that and, and, um, and was great at, you know, including everybody kind of making the locker room uh, function well, yeah. uh, that kind of stuff. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's another one that's, uh, that's one of the few guys that I, that I've kept in touch with over the years. And Oh, that is uh, awesome. What's, where is he at? Is he coaching or? Yeah, he's in Tampa. He's, he's doing something. So he has a, a training facility. He does combine prep and oh, nice. a lot of baseball players and, and all that stuff oh, awesome. down in, in Tampa, Florida. So, Oh, that's very uh, nice. Yeah. He's, a, he's another one that's been a pretty awesome teammate for sure. I, I remember cheering for him too because it was so nice when he when he he'd get a first down. It was like, "Yo, Murphy." <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, who was who was the best leader? Best best leader overall. Best leader overall. And you played with lots of them again, like you've. Yeah, played with lots. I mean, um, tough question. Tough question. Uh, if I had to pick one, just an overall leader and somebody that you, you know, if you, if you wrote a movie and said, this is the leader of the group and scripted yeah. that character, uh, it would probably be Carrie Joseph, actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And best athlete? Ooh, best athlete. Wow. <laughs> There's so many of those guys. Um <laughs> Freeney's uh, got to be up there. Yeah, Freeney's up there for sure. I mean, Champ Bailey's up there. Uh, yeah, Keith Bullock uh, from Syracuse. yeah, Keith Bullock. There's another. He's he was another great dude, man. He was a uh, tough player. And, and I mean Donovan too, for that matter. Like uh, just yeah. an unbelievable athlete as a quarterback and, and that kind of. But I mean, man, to pick one guy is what about what about who you thought you have a yeah you have a role model that you had over the years that you'd say? Um, not really, to be honest with you. When I was growing up, like the, the literally the only poster I ever had on my wall was Michael Jordan. Okay. Uh, so well, that's not, that's not a bad place to start. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. But, but yeah, not even a football guy. I mean, he was the one guy that, um, that just no matter when he was on, like I had yeah. to watch, just kind of watched everything he did. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I guess if I had to pick one, I would have to say him. Okay. Okay. What would, I just want to shift gears to younger athletes today that, that are maybe listening uh, to this pad and looking for some advice. Yeah. What would you say to the young athletes today that are looking to take that next step and get into the pros? Uh, well, how long, how young are you talking, Paul? Well, I would say those younger athletes that are kind of at that stage where they're now, they have the talent, they're thinking about, okay, is this for me? Can I get to that next level and make that, that jump? So I think you're probably in that 13 to 15 range. Yeah. So the biggest thing that I see lacking in athletes at that particular age is, yeah. um, is strength and just overall athletic development. So these days, so much is on uh, uh, specialization. If you're okay. a football player, you only play football. And not only do you only play football, but you only do drills that are your position. And if you're a hockey player, you only I play see. hockey, you play hockey year see. round. And, and, and that's just not good for overall, overall athletic development. And so okay. it limits you in the long term because you, you, know, you get really good at 
that particular skill, but you end up lacking in, in other areas when it comes to agility and change of direction and reaction and those kind of things, because you're just locked into those same movement patterns all the time. Okay. Um, and, and the, and the other, and the other thing is they, they practice so much and they, they, you know, the seasons go the entire year and nobody spends any time developing physically um, the way they should. So, you know, the biggest issue that, that, I've seen over the years in terms of training young athletes at, at my facility is um, there's lots of super skilled kids at various sports. Um, yeah. But in terms of the NCAA, they're, they're, they're not strong enough. They're not physically developed. They're not fast enough. Um, because if you look at the big programs in the United States, they all run out of their high school for the most part. And, and those schools have a built-in strength and conditioning program. And okay. those athletes, they play a football season and then maybe they play a basketball season or a baseball season or whatever it is. But in the summer they train and they're part of that school strength and conditioning program. And they develop as athletes and getting stronger and moving better and, and all those kind of things over the course of their high school career. Yeah. We just don't have that structure here in, in Canada at most places anyways. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's what I find the most kids and, and, and the parents of course, too think that, well, the way to get better at football is just to play football all the time. Right. Play hockey all the time. Yeah. I'm sure that's part of it, but you have to develop as an athlete and you have to get stronger and you have to build that, um, build that solid base of strength and movement and speed and, and agility and those things that really create an athlete. And yeah. then you add sports skills on top of that. Okay. Okay. What, what were the key characteristics or, or habits that helped you out the most? Um, I think probably for me, um, when I decide that something is a goal, like I, I just, I, I kind of don't stop until I get it. Um, and so, you know, that that's applied obviously in virtually everything that I've done um, in terms of, you know, if the first plan doesn't work, you figure out the next one and you just kind of keep going and um, you're kind of, kind of dedicated to that cause to, in order to, you know, you, you change the plan, but you never change the goal. Um, okay. And the other one I think that's big for me is I've never, um, I've never sort of had that, uh, that fear of missing out, so to speak. So uh, I've never felt the like, Oh, I have to go to this party because I'm going to miss out or whatever, whatever. Like I was purely happy to go get my workout in instead or yeah. stay home instead or do this or that. Um, and I never kind of got caught up in what everybody else was doing if it didn't apply to what I was trying to get accomplished. So I see. I think that that's a tough one. I think, especially for, you know, if we're talking about young athletes, obviously. Oh, definitely. Cause you need the self-discipline for that. everything. And I think that's magnified by social media, right? Yeah. Everybody sees yeah. the parties and this and that, and oh man, I should have been there. Um, yeah. uh, but if you can kind of shut those things out and kind of realize that, you know, those people at that party may not have the same goals that you have. And so yeah. if you're trying to achieve something that's different than what everybody else around you is trying to achieve, well, then you need to act differently than what everybody else is doing too. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. Very well said. And that's definitely where you're going to need that self-discipline, which, which I find is lacking a lot, a lot of the younger kids today. What, sure. what advice, uh, Pat, would you give to uh, the parents today? You kind of touched on it earlier when you were talking about the young athletes. And I find having coached amateur football for over 10 years, you get a lot of parents that are, I don't want to say more vested in the child's 
success or progression than the than the actual child is. But I find yes. at times they're also pushing the kid so much the kid's going to lose interest or burn out. Yeah, hundred percent. And which I is think, unfortunate, for sure. And I think that, I mean that's I think that's been happening for forever, right? Whoever yeah. didn't achieve their own athletic goals and they pass them on to their kids and try to try to push them forward on that. Um, I think it's a fine line. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think it's good to a certain extent to to push because. You know, kids can, like we just said, get caught up in other things. And if there's an ability there for them to achieve something, then it's good to, to have that push to make sure they have an opportunity to achieve it. Um, but it but it all always has to be about the, the, the kid. It has to be about yeah. the child and not about fulfilling your own dream or your own goal or whatever. Um, and, you know, and, and I think you have to you have to be realistic and objective and look at it and say, you know, if, if your kid is, you know, 15 or 16 years old and they're, they're not dominating right now, the chance of them moving forward is, is slim to none. Yes. Right. If you're, yes. you know, if you're going to be a pro, like you're dominating all the yes. way through high school and probably yeah. middle school and all those things, like you're the, you, people would show up at a game and know, Hey, that's the best player on the field. Yeah, exactly. And if that's not the case, you know, it's going to be a long haul and a real tough go to try to get, you know, somebody who's not at a dominant level to become yeah. a pro athlete. So just let them enjoy the game. Yeah. You know, you, what, you know, what, what you just said about the individual player's ability. I mean, that speaks so much because it's often, you know, I have these conversations with parents. It's like, you know, it's almost like you're seeing a different kid. Like, are, like, am I missing yeah. something here? Like, I'm not right. seeing what you're seeing here. Like, yeah. What, what, what were your parents like, Pat? Were they, they, I mean, they were, I mean, they were obviously big supporters, um, yeah. but they were, I mean, they were very, uh, they, I mean, they never got involved with coaches or, or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a different situation. Uh, I think in my situation, cause I mean, kind of like I just said, Paul, like I, I was a very good player, obviously in high school. Yeah, right? exactly. So yeah. There was never any reason for my parents to go and say, Hey, why isn't Pat getting more playing time? Yeah. Um, um, but they were, I mean, they were obviously super supportive, made sure I had everything that I need and, and certainly were um, very proactive with me in terms of, you know, trying to figure out how to go through the scholarship procedure and, and all that kind of stuff to, to make sure we ended up in the right situation like that. So, I mean, okay. they, they for sure were, um, I would say that the, the, the best uh, type of parents in, in my situation. Um, but I mean, it's, it's hard to say how they would have acted if, if I wasn't getting good playing time, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, 2009, you start the elite performance uh, Academy. What, what led to that? Yeah. What led to, to going into that? Yeah. So, so like I said earlier, I mean, I got my degree in business and, and I always sort of assumed that I would go in that route if, if football didn't work out. Um, but then over the course of my playing career, you know, as a, as a, as a football player, like I said earlier, there's, there's pressure every single year, every single day. So as you get older, you know, there's all, they're always looking for the younger guy to come in and do your job and, and figure out a guy yeah. who can do it uh, as good as you for less money and has less mileage on. Them. So every off season, I became more and more invested in my own development. And so instead okay. of just going into the weight room and doing what my coach told me to do, I would say, okay, why are we doing this? And why are we doing that? And why are we doing this this year when we didn't do it last year and that kind of stuff? Okay. 
So I really kind of um, started developing a little bit of knowledge and uh, kind of a passion, I guess, for physical developments and strength development and speed and all those kind of things and how it worked and why and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and then when I finished playing, I mean, I had a little bit of knowledge. I had a lot of experience and uh, really didn't want to go sit at a desk uh, or anything like that at that time. So yeah, kind of moved in that direction and, and really wanted to pass on the knowledge that I had to like the next generation of athletes that were coming up after me. So you're, you're starting the business and, you know, for a lot of, a lot of people listening in the audience, they might be starting a business. They might be thinking of starting a business. What were some of, and as you touched on uh, very well, Pat, about social media being part of, you know, part of the problem showing you, you know, all the nice things in life. They don't show you the, the struggles that, that people go through in running a business. What were some of the early struggles you had to deal with in starting the business? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there's um, just just even the whole setup, right? I mean, you know, you go to school for marketing, but they don't teach you how to set up a business and um, yeah. set up, you know, the admin side of things and build a website and take payments and all that kind of stuff. So all of that was just a learning curve. Um, and I think... To my detriment, um, it's something that I always kind of said, well, I'm just going to figure this out on my own instead yeah. of finding somebody to help me and hiring a mentor or something like that to kind of um, okay. guide you way and probably save a, lot, save a lot of headaches over the course <laughs> of the year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that the whole setup, you know, is, is part of it because for most business owners who start a business, they start it because they're passionate about something, right? Yeah. And I was different. I was passionate about training. I wasn't necessarily at that time passionate about being a businessman. And so I'm focused on being a great coach and coaching my athletes and my clients and those kind of things. And yeah. you know, lots of stuff gets kind of pushed to the side and missed and just not, uh, not optimized and made as efficient as possible. So I think it's, it's important when starting a business to, you know, either have some guidance or, you know what, hire somebody right away to help you establish the business side of things while you work on your, your passion side of things. I see. That's well said. That's well said. And, and where was the business originally located? So I originally started uh, training people in, um, in somebody else's facility. So I was was using, uh, using my, so my strength coach, when I was playing, uh, he let me bring clients in and train them in his facility for, for the first little bit. Okay. Oh, that's nice. And then, yeah, so that was good. I would, you know, pay him some rent and, and train, uh, train my people out of there. And then he was going to be moving and wouldn't have had space in his new space for, for me to keep going. Uh, and so I called, you know, one of my uh, former teammates, uh, Donnie Ruiz, and he had been a personal trainer at a different facility. And so we decided we were going to come together to, to kind of join in this new space and, and make it work for, for both of us. Okay. And so that, yeah, so then we, we moved into our facility here in Canada in 2010. Okay. Okay. And is Donnie still with you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what, I, I, you know, I've got him in my notes here. I must have missed him here. Because you, you played with Donnie. Yeah. We Back with the Renegades. Yeah. What, what was Donnie like? Uh, very quiet. Uh, very quiet guy. Uh, just kind of 
goes about his business, hardworking, um, super talented, had some yeah. uh, injury, um, had some history, injury issues, ended up uh, hurting both of his knees. Okay. And so that kind of affected him at different times, but he was very versatile as a, as a Canadian DB. He was able to kind of play every position in that defensive yeah. backfield. And, um, and again, uh, was another one of those guys who, uh, who really excelled on special teams as well. He just always seemed, I would just always found, he just always seemed to be around the ball. Like it just, where yeah. the ball was, where he was there. Yeah. Like, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, a, just a nose for making plays. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, so you and, you and Donnie are together. So what do you, for those that don't know, uh, uh, sort of an overview of what you do at the elite performance Academy, obviously this is, you know, without COVID and without restrictions where you can, you can open, but what, what, what was, what do you do there? So basically a little bit of everything. Uh, we kind of opened it to, um, like I said, to, to start working with athletes. Um, and, and we did that uh, very well. We, we ended up having, you know, junior athlete programs starting from age 10 to 13. We had our high school program. We had university programs. Uh, we were able to get to the point where we worked with uh, professional athletes from the NFL, from the CFL, from uh, Major League Lacrosse. Um, okay. We've had multiple athletes go NCAA scholarship in basketball and football and all that stuff. Oh, wow. Uh, but then we also started, you know, doing personal training and working with, you know, folks who, who just want to lose a little bit of weight or get in better shape or uh, get a little bit stronger just to, just to be happier and healthier and, and uh, live just a little bit more of a, a fitter, healthier lifestyle. Okay. Okay. And then uh, sort of COVID hits and w- what sort of happened? Well, obviously you can't have people in the, in the facility. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we were, we were shut down for that's tough. Probably at least half of, uh, of all of 2020 there last year was, was yeah. an interesting for sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, basically everything moved to kind of an online format. Okay. And um, yeah, being able to, to give clients programs to do at home or, with whatever equipment that they have available. And okay. And this is the elite man method. Is that it? Well, sorry, that's, that's one offshoot of it for sure. I mean, it's, um, the elite man method is, is kind of come, uh, it's been in development kind of for a few years and it's a a program that I used even with clients in person, Uh, but obviously being able to, to move it online and, and work with clients kind of, uh, without restriction and, and all over the world has been, uh, has been really nice to, to have that program in place and, and be able to help guys, uh, like I said, continue with their, their health and fitness and get in kind of the best shape uh, they've ever been in maybe. Uh, even okay. They're you know, 30, 40, 50 years old at this point. Okay. Okay. And, and so obviously the individuals that are coming to you for the uh, elite man method program, they're working out at home, obviously. Right. For the most part, uh, like I said, I, I do have uh, cl- clients kind of all over the place. So there's a lot of places in the States, obviously, where the gyms are still open. Okay. Um, and um, and there's there are places uh, overseas as well where the gyms are still open. So some of those clients are, are still going to to public gyms or, or I gotcha. they, training. Uh, but there certainly are a lot that are that are now working out from home for sure. Okay. Okay. And then in, in that in that program, Pat, like so. So take, like, take me through what happens. Someone, someone comes to you, they go to, they go to the website and then what happens? 
Yeah. So generally we, we would get on a phone call and uh, basically I would talk to them about where they're at now and, and where they're trying to get to and what might okay. be holding them back from getting there and really just trying to see if they're going to be a good fit for the program or not. Um, and if we decide it's a, it's a good fit, then what I'll do is I'll design the program that, that best fits kind of what they need in terms of where they're at and where they're trying to go. And yeah. then I coordinate their nutrition plan to go exactly with their training plan. So as we get older, Paul, you know, just nothing works as well as it used to. You know, we, <laughs> yeah. we, can't, we can't just show up at the gym and, and uh, work out for a couple hours. And then yeah, no, that doesn't work anymore. And, no, no. And get results, right? So No, that doesn't work. Um, in order to uh, to get the results that we want, everything kind of has to be coordinated. So yeah. I make sure that their training program, their nutrition, uh, okay. even lifestyle, right, in terms of how you sleep and deal with stress and all those kind of things. Yeah. All that stuff needs to be in place in order for us to get the best results possible as we as we get into our 40s and 50s and beyond. Yeah, oh, well said. I think every day I get out of bed, I got something new that's sore. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun getting old. <laughs> no, indeed. So, so you 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 started that you start the elite uh, elite performance academy. Things are going great, and then 2016 comes along, and you're what happens? The Red Blacks call you. Like, how did you, how did you get hooked up with the Red Blacks? Yeah. So when they first uh, announced that the franchise was coming back, um, yeah, one of the first things they did was was hire the GM, right, Marcel. Um, Desjardins. Yeah. And uh, Marcel had been the assistant GM when I was in Montreal. So uh, okay. I knew him a little bit. We had a little bit of a relationship, obviously. So when he first came to town before the, the team was even in play yet, uh, we, uh, Donnie and I put together a proposal to do the strength and conditioning for the team at that time. And, uh, you know, gave him the proposal, showed him our facility, all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, at the time, we you know, they did not hire us. What happened was uh, OSEG wanted one strength and conditioning provider to do football and the Ottawa Fury and the Ottawa 67s together. And okay. so um, they they hired somebody who had a little bit more soccer experience and that kind of stuff. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, they went and did that. That guy ended up not working out very well. And okay. so they fired him after a couple of years. And okay. then... Um, yeah, they were going through uh, a searching process, uh, a hiring process. They got it down to, I think, you know, two or three guys left that were coming for, for interviews. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think they were really sold necessarily on any of them, but here's who yeah. they had. And okay. then in, in their meeting, somebody said, hey, has anybody called Pat to ask if he wants to do this? Wow. So kind of out of the blue. Uh, well, that speaks to you, man. That is great. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, uh, goes back again to maybe having a, a bit of a prior relationship. And then, like I said, the success that we had had with our athletes at Elite Performance Academy. So, yeah, um, yeah, kind of came out of the blue, but uh, obviously was uh, was very cool. And, and uh, man, it was a lot of fun to uh, to go back and be able to do that that year. So, so were you were you at uh, at the stadium every day or working out with these guys or? Yeah. Yeah. I was there every day. So, um, every day I would run, uh, workouts and rehab in the morning. Okay. Um, run the warm up for, uh, during, like at the beginning of practice, I would work with the injured guys during practice. Um, I helped out a little bit with the returners cause I did some returning, uh, like punt returners and kickoff returners when I was, uh, when I was a player. So I worked okay. a little bit in practice and then I would run like the full team lift, uh, when practice was finished. Um, and then uh, on game days, I would work out all the guys who were not dressing. Okay. 
uh, for the game. And then during the game, uh, I would basically be like pretty much like every strength coach. I was the, I was the get back coach kind of make sure that everybody's uh, staying back off the sideline and not getting too far on the field and uh, okay. basically helping out wherever they need me on the sideline. Oh, that is awesome. So, so I got to ask, what was Rick Campbell like as a head coach? Uh, Rick was like super chill. Uh, again, not a screamer yeller, uh, yeah. knew his system, knew his plan was very kind of methodical about it. Uh, okay. you never had a ton of emotion out of Rick, whether it was good or bad or indifferent. Uh, okay. Rick was always much the same, okay. which can be a good thing. What, what was, I got to ask this. What was, I love Hank. What was Hank like? <laughs> Hank's Hank, man. I mean, Hank, Hank's exactly one of those guys that, uh, when you see him on TV and you yeah. see him in the media, a big smile. That's, that's the guy. That's it. He's like that 24 uh, seven. Really? Always smiling. Yeah. Always smiling. Always joking. Um, yeah. you know, took care of his business obviously when he needed to. Um, yeah. but yeah, very, uh, very happy go lucky and, and, uh, enthusiastic about the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean that, that season was awesome. I mean, I don't know who, I don't even know who the, who the freaking reporter was that put the burr right in his, yeah, yeah, in his, yeah. In his craw there that he wasn't any good that or something. And then, man, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what was Trevor Harris like? He looked like, looked like a quiet dude. Uh, Trevor was, I mean, certainly compared to Hank, he's quiet. I mean, he's, he's an, he's an excellent leader. Like when he got the chance to play, he, you know, took control of that huddle and, and took control of the locker room and, and, and led the way a quarterback should. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, compared compared to Hank, everybody's quiet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you about one, one other player. I, I like, I love this guy. I, he's a he's like a Donnie Ruiz. He's he's always around the freaking ball, and he's not a huge guy, but he makes all the hits. Like Antoine Pruno, what was Pruno like? Uh, as a strength coach. Antoine is the most frustrating guy ever. Are you serious? Because, yes, because he he doesn't work out. He runs. Watching him run hurts my feelings. Just the way his <laughs> the way his his stride is, <laughs> it's 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 painful. But like you said, he is just an absolute playmaker, and he's been doing it for years now. Yeah, and it blows my mind how how successful and awesome he's been. But you know, every so often you come across those guys that that don't don't train the way you think they should train and yeah. maybe don't look the most athletic or any of that stuff, but they're yeah. just pure ballers. And I think that's, that's Antoine in a nutshell. Oh, that's crazy. That is crazy. And, and it's, and it's funny being there at a game because it's a different perspective. You can watch whatever you want, not just what the TV's giving you. Yes. And you're watching it and it's like, man, he's not even near the play. And then all of a sudden the play, ha- it's, you know, play the play progresses and he, he's on the tackle. Like he's there all the always, time. Like, yeah. Always around the ball. Yeah, for sure. So what was, what was it like, Pat, to witness, you know, winning that, the, the Grey Cup for, for Ottawa? Were you there and when, the, when they won it? I was, yeah. We were there the whole week. And yeah. I mean, just like the regular seat, like I ran warm up and did workouts yeah, all yeah. throughout the week okay. while we were in Toronto and, and did the warm up on game, on Great Cup Day and, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. I mean, um, having been, you know, going back through everything we've talked about here, Paul. So, you know, I was a season ticket holder for the Rough Riders. And, yeah. You know, watched the struggles at that time and then yeah. played for the Renegades and was part of the struggles at that time and never yeah. had a chance to win a cup as a player that wanted to. And then now to come back and um, be in a coaching role and, and be in a position to be a part of that team to win a great cup finally in Ottawa and 
and be able to bring that kind of all full circle was uh, was very very cool and and uh, a really awesome experience. Yeah, that's nice. Did, did did Hank have like a big speech or something or? Uh, I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't remember anybody really doing big speeches afterwards. It was okay. just kind of just kind of a big celebration, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. So so after twenty sixteen. Uh, you win the Ottawa Business Journal top 40 under 40. What was that like? Uh, that was also a very cool experience. Um, you know, like I, like I said earlier, you know, I was passionate about being a coach, not necessarily about being a businessman when I first started. So to kind of be recognized for, um, uh, for having success in, the, in that field and, and, and building a business and having it last for, you know, a relatively long time for a small business yeah. and, um, and the success that we had in those kind of things was, uh, was again, very, very gratifying and exciting. And um, you know, I think just a, a testament to, like I said before, just sticking to it. And yeah. you know, if, the, if the plan doesn't work, you change the plan, but you don't change the goal. Yeah, good for you. That, that is very well. I'm going to steal that. That is, that is very well said, Pat. Very well said. Very well said. Okay, I want to shift gears a little bit because, you know, the only thing I have in common with you is that we've both got four kids here. <laughs> uh, I think, I think you can run faster than me, faster than me with, with one leg. Um, so you got, you've got, you got four, four beautiful and you got them all on social media, which is great Four four yeah. beautiful kids, uh, Kaya, Peyton, Lila, Easton with your wife, Melanie. What, yes. what is the importance of being a dad? Oh man. Uh, I know that's a bit of a loaded I, question. <laughs> Yeah, I think being a dad for me, I think the biggest thing that that has done for me is um, make sure that I act in such a way that everything is not about me. So obviously being a professional athlete, like it's a very selfish lifestyle to a certain extent because everything is about performance, right? You make choices based on how I'm going to perform, how I'm going to feel, how um and how i want things to be in order for me to be at my best and um, okay you know you do other things outside of that right you you work with you know the community and you you have a relationship with your wife and those kind of things but it really changes drastically for any dad but uh, i think for me it changes drastically when you start having kids because now you know you're just not the priority anymore right it's, yeah it's about taking care of your family and making sure that you're raising your kids the way you want to and making sure that they're learning and, you know, experiencing all the things that you want them to experience and those kind of things. So I think that's been, uh, that's been a great thing. Um, And, uh, and, and now it's just, you know, they're, they're my inspiration in terms of, you know, I continue to want to be at my best because I want to continue to show them uh, the example of what they can accomplish when, uh, when they get older and, and do the things that they love to do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's very well said. That's very well said. Where, where did, where did you and your wife, Melanie meet? Was it somewhere along the football spectrum or uh, in one of the cities you were in? Or, you were in a lot of cities. Pat. <laughs> yeah. We met in high school. Uh, we actually met when I was in the eighth grade and oh, come uh, on. we were, we were friends for a few years, but, uh, but started dating in high school and, uh, stayed together all through. She went to Ottawa U and stayed together all through the time that that I was away at school. And then, oh, uh, that's crazy! My wife and I met around the same around the same grade. That is incredible. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, we're we're high school sweethearts. We've 
Uh, it'll be, we'll be married 19 years this year. Oh, congrats, and, man. That is awesome. But we've been together for like 26 or 27. We were together for like eight years before we got married. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. So did she follow you through all of the different cities you played in? Uh, not all of them. So, um, obviously she did not come to New York. Uh, okay. and then when I went to Montreal, she was uh, working here in Ottawa already. Okay. Um, so yeah, I would, I would, I had a place in Montreal and she would come down for the games and for weekends and stay here and there. Yeah. Um, and then I would, I would come home for the off season and stuff. Um, but then once I came to Ottawa, obviously we lived together and then she came with me to Edmonton and to Hamilton after that. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. So in terms of just general, general information that, that an advice, Pat, that you would have for, for parents today, what, if you could give advice to parents today, what, what advice would you give them? Whew, uh, that's a very broad topic. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm not, I'm not uh, helping you here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I would I say more, you know what, to make it a little more specific, like what advice would you give them on raising your kids? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, it's the, the biggest thing that, that kind of guides me is that I know that they're, that they, they see and hear everything and they're watching, even when you don't think they are, they're watching. And so, you know, you need to live a life that you're going to be proud to have shown them and you need to conduct yourself in such a way that um, you'd be proud if your kids acted in that way. And that goes along the lines of, you know, how you work and how you um, deal with your spouse and how you deal with yeah. other people and, 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 and how you maintain your own health. I mean, these are, these are examples that you're setting for your kids for the rest of their life. So um, being um, just being a good person, being strong, being healthy, being fit, um, eating good food, just taking care of yourself and taking care of other people. I mean, those yeah. are those are lessons that, that translate across, you know, regardless of what job they end up having or where they go to school or anything like that. You know, if you teach those kind of lessons, then yeah, good point. Yeah. The best opportunity to, to have a great life. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Very well said. Okay. I just want to touch on one, one issue. It comes up a lot in football today, concussions in football. What, what, what's been your experience when it comes to, when it comes to that? Um. So it's, it's been interesting. I mean, it's, um, it's something that, I mean, as a player I had, you know, it, it certainly wasn't talked about a lot. Um, yeah. I don't even think I knew what a concussion was until I got to university, um, which is completely different from what happens today. Um, and I've only had one diagnosed concussion and that was in college. Okay. Um, you know, it, the more information that we have now, um, you know, if I look back on things like I probably had several, um, but again, they just wasn't, you know, you got your bell rung, you kind of shake it off and you get back in the game and yeah, move forward. Right. So obviously we're doing things differently now and, and you're taking better care of that, which, which I absolutely agree with. Um, I think going back to what I talked about earlier, I think there's an element to protecting your head and, and your overall self by being stronger and being in better shape and training better um, and not just being somebody who plays the sport all the time. Uh, I think that gives you an opportunity to, to stay healthy and, and kind of absorb hits a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, I think honestly that 
lifestyle today plays into it a little bit. I think our brains are affected by the foods that we eat and yeah. uh, how much screen time we have and lack yeah. of sleep we have compared yeah. to I think when, when we were younger, Paul. Yeah, definitely. Um, those, those things affect the brain and whether those things affect concussions directly. I mean, that's way beyond my scope of expertise. Yeah. yeah. But, but know, that stimulation is there though today. Yeah. I don't think they help for sure. So yeah. I think, you know, uh, sleep is a huge one. Like people completely underestimate the value of sleep. And when you're talking about teenagers, man, they should be sleeping. Like, you know, kids that are staying up late to play video games all night and that kind of yeah. stuff like that is that is not a good deal at that age for sure yeah. Um, yeah. at any age, to be honest. But um, you know, those, those are things that I think, you know, little things that you can do to try to at least give yourself the best opportunity to uh, number one, avoid the repercussions of a concussion and okay. or recover from them quicker. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think they're a factor. I mean, I think as you get older, you know, the athletes are just bigger and stronger and faster than they used to be. And the collisions are bigger. Um, and so those things are going to, going to have an impact at some point. Um, yeah. but you know, when we're talking about youth athletes, you know, I, I honestly think it's, it's, um, it's a little bit more about the things we can do as precautionary measures that go beyond like a better helmet or that kind of stuff. I right. Think it's right. taking care of your health and taking care of your brain and being yeah. a bigger, stronger athlete yourself to, to be protective of, of those things and, and at least give yourself a chance to, to, like I said, avoid some of the, the consequences of those hits. Yeah. For, for business advice, Pat, what, what three things would you say have had the biggest impact on, on your success? And you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll throw it, throw it, throw it wide open here. What, what three things have had the biggest impact on, on, on any of your successes? Um, yeah. I mean, I think probably the, the two of them anyways are those things that, I, that I've mentioned already a couple of times. And that is, you know, when I set a goal, I kind of go for it. And even when it doesn't work out the first time, you know, yeah. I think a lot of people have the tendency to, you know, um, they set a goal, they kind of go for it. They maybe work, they maybe work really, really hard and it doesn't work. And immediately they just say, oh, this isn't for me. And they move on to something else. Okay. Well, no, okay. Not necessarily true. Like maybe you just had the wrong plan. Maybe if you yeah. adjust a little bit and you change this and, you know, yeah, you have a little point. bit, yeah. market, then things, then things do work out. And yeah. so I think that's been, that's been one thing for me that, you know, kind of when I decide that this is the path that I'm on then then I'm on it. And I'm, yeah. I'm way in on it. Um, I think uh, maybe another one is that, um, and I think I'm getting better at this as I get older, is that I am uh, more receptive to, uh, to new information. Uh, I don't have to, you know, my, my ego isn't as tied to it as it used to be in terms of it doesn't have to be my way. If somebody okay. can show me a better way, awesome. Show me that better way so that I can take advantage of it. I see. I see. Yeah. Um, I think that's huge. And then that ties into the third one. And that is just kind of like to be successful in business for, for a lot of people, you can't be afraid to ask for help, you know? Yeah. Good point. You, uh, very well said. We've talked about, you know, you're in your business because you're passionate about that, whatever that is, not yeah. about, you know, the administration and collecting fees and paying taxes and it, all the other stuff that goes into running a business. So yeah. ask for help, find somebody, find a mentor or somebody who's been successful in your business and yeah. just 
you know, pay for their time and say, Hey, look, I want to do the same thing that you do. Tell me how to do it better so that I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. waste years, money and those kind of things. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's like th- those things will, uh, those things will take you a long way in, in, well, in anything to be honest with you, but, but right. certainly in business. Yeah. And, and, you know, having said that, Pat, I think that's, that's really well said. I think have it, but you know, knowing when to ask for help and for what is also having that awareness too of, Yes. You know, I, I don't know, you know, and, yeah. and I'm going to reach out. You know, that's, that's well said. D- but, okay. I want to get into some fun stuff here, here, Pat. I love the, love this part of the, of the, of the show here. Do you have a favorite book or, or album or, or movie or, or series you'd recommend or. My, my favorite movie is, uh, is Pulp Fiction. Um, okay. Just, yeah. Just a, just, just a great story. Um, okay. That's always been interesting. Favorite book, oh man. Again, that's one that's so hard to, to put your finger on and pick just one. Um, I really, really enjoyed uh, David Goggins' book. Um, I read it twice. Okay. Uh, the, the, the name of the actual book is escaping me now, but uh, David Goggins was a, a Navy SEAL and um, came up from a really hard upbringing and stuff like that. It's just yeah. an outstanding book. Um, can't hurt me. It's called. Okay. Can't hurt yeah. me. Okay. Yeah. Can't hurt me by David Goggins. Very, very good book. Um, yeah. I think those, uh, those would be the two biggest ones on, on that side of things. What about a series? You got a series you're watching or anything to, to relax or not right now. So, no. I mean, I, um, I, I never really did that at all. Um, I just honestly didn't have time. And then when, when everything got locked down in the spring, my wife and I watched, I think, like you know, five or six series from start to finish on Netflix. And kind what of was what was the best one you watched? Uh, I really liked Suits, and I really liked uh, Scandal. Those were those were probably okay. The two I've best. never seen either of those. I should check those oh, out. Okay. Suits. What is what is is that? Is that a bunch of lawyers or Suits? Lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty good. What would what would you say? Uh, is your favorite workout or exercise? Um, like if you're going into the gym to do one workout, cause it's your yeah. favorite, which one is it? It's a tough one. Um, <laughs> it's a tough one. Uh, I, I mean, I'll give you, well, I mean, the, the, my top three are well, sorry, my top four are probably like the big, the big top four. So I, I mean, I, I really like deadlifting. Uh, okay. I really, like, I really like squatting. Neither one of which I'm very good at, but um, uh, I really like them. Just I think because of the challenge, um, I, I love doing chin-ups. Okay. Uh, uh, and yeah, I mean you can't go wrong with bench press, really. Although I do prefer, <laughs> um, I, I, go, I prefer dumbbells to a barbell. Oh, for the okay, okay. Yeah. You're, you're more into the flies. Is that it? Or uh, no, no. I'm still doing presses. I just, I just prefer having you know the. I, for changing the angle of my, my arms a little bit instead of having them locked on the bar like that. I got you a little bit healthier on my shoulders. Okay. Okay. I want to get into some football stuff here. So best, best wide receiver to play the game, CFL or NFL, wherever you want to go. That I played with or period. No, just, just in general, just in general. Ooh. Well, why don't we start? Why don't we start with Pat? Who, who, one you played with? Uh, Cause you okay. had so many. I did. 
Yeah. Best one that I played with. Jeez. Yeah, I honestly don't think I can pick one. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in, I, I wasn't in the Giants for very long, but obviously Amani Toomer was there when I was there. Yeah. Uh, if you go to uh, go to Montreal, obviously Ben and Jermaine were amazing. Yeah. If you go to Edmonton and uh, Jason Tucker and, and Mookie Mitchell and Ed Hervey yeah. were awesome. Uh, yeah, it's impossible to pick just one uh, of guys that I played with. If we're yeah. going overall, I'm an old guy, so so I'll stick with Jerry Rice. There's Jerry Rice. Okay, yeah, you're not you're not in the Ryan, Randy Moss camp. Uh, no, I mean I think he's probably the best natural athlete to play wide receiver. Yeah, uh, but in terms of a pure wide receiver, like his craft and his route running and his ball skills and all the yeah. stuff, the full package. Uh, yeah, I would go Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What about best corner? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Champ is is definitely up there. Uh, he's obviously the best one that I went against. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, other than him, uh, I mean, you've got uh, Revis. Um, yeah, Dion. You've got Dion for sure. Uh, I mean, Dion's probably the guy. Just, I mean, I think if for nothing else than just the impact that he had on the game overall. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and as we, as we come up to the Super Bowl here, uh, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, who what what do you what do you pick and what are you seeing? Do, do you do you have a favorite team, Pat? I know you didn't have one growing up. I don't. I, I find I have a bit of an affinity to the Giants. Um, okay, it's not intentional, but I think just because that's where my career started, it kind of happens that way. Yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, obviously, it was that way for the first few years because there was a lot of guys that I played with that were still there. But okay. Um, I really don't have a favorite. I really like watching players, to be honest. I would okay. rather watch, I like seeing good plays, right? I like seeing good football and stuff. So I'm not tied to a particular team. Yeah. Um, that's that. I mean, I think the Chiefs are amazing to watch. Um, and I mean, if they're if they're hitting, I don't see them being stoppable. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Even even all the receivers they've got over in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think... Um, I mean, there's so many. I think if it gets into a shootout, like, there's nobody that can compete with the Chiefs. So, if you're yeah. talking just offense versus offense, then the Chiefs, I think, are going to take it. Yeah, yeah. What what do you, what do what are your favorite hobbies outside of, of, of work? Do you have any, any outside interests? Not a lot, to be honest with you. There's I mean, no, There's no time, Pat. There's no time. Yeah, right. I mean, so, I mean, the thing that, that I that I enjoy doing for myself is really just my workouts, just my training. Yeah. You know, number one, it's my physical outlet. Number two, it's kind of, it's my mental health thing as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and uh, I mean, that's, that's a, it's a big part of my, my day and my week. Uh, and outside of that, I mean, most of what I do is just, you know, whatever we're doing with the family. So okay. that's uh, playing games or going to the park or going sledding these days or whatever the case may be. It's uh, yeah. the majority of my free time is, is here at home. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite food or, or dish or. Yeah. I mean, I think still um, if I had to pick one uh, it's, it's probably, so it's, it's pizza, but it's specific pizza. It's a okay. pizza from uh, Arturo's in New York city. Oh, wow. It's a sausage and pepperoni pizza from Arturo's. Okay, what's what's so special about it? You know what, Arturo's is uh, it's probably a, been around for uh, at least fifty years. It's a small little family owned restaurant in yeah. uh, on the corner of Soho and and uh, Greenwich Village. 
and uh, like a coal oven pizza, like flat crust, but delicious, great toppings. Yeah. Um, and I think the atmosphere plays into it. Like there's always live music and it's New York City and, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, okay. Um, but funny story, one year for my birthday, uh, we were actually in Las Vegas for my birthday. Okay. But my wife called Lisa at Arturo's and had her FedEx me a pizza to Vegas for my birthday. Oh, come on. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. So that, that's how much I like that pizza. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. Do you have a, do you have a favorite social media platform or channel? Uh, yeah, I probably spend my most time on Instagram. Um, okay. That's probably why, why do you prefer that? Uh, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think I like the, you know, I, I find lately, I think that Facebook is just way too political and uh, people get into it too much stuff that I'm not really interested in, in reading. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Instagram is a great way to, you know, keep in touch with people and, and see people's families and, and see what they're doing and all that kind of stuff. And uh, granted, yeah. it's always worth it through a filter, but it's, uh, I think that's just, uh, that, that's my preferred method of, of, uh, of spending time on social media. Okay. Okay. Do you follow anyone on social media that you'd recommend to others or, or on Instagram? Specifically? Uh, not specifically, I don't think. I mean, the majority of it is, is, uh, is either people that I know personally or, you know, uh, you know, some, some fitness people and some business people and some football people and stuff. But I mean, the majority of it is, is, uh, I don't think anybody, anybody different than, than anybody else would be following. Yeah. Yeah. When, when people hear the name Pat Woodcock, what do you hope they will say? Uh, I hope they will say uh, he's got an awesome family. Um, he, um, he contributed to the community um, and, um, and was always nice to be around. Oh, that is well said. That is very, very well said, Pat. Pat, this has been uh, an absolute pleasure. Uh, this has been a, great walk down memory lane for uh yeah. for me and i i thank you for for coming on the show here and and sharing your your insights and, and knowledge much much appreciated and i wish you uh best of luck in in 2021 here with uh with the business and and the family thank you very much. It, yeah. uh, it was okay. definitely a lot, a lot of fun like you said to uh to take a few trips down memory lane <laughs> yeah 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 thanks very much thank you For those in the audience looking for additional information today about our guest, Pat Woodcock, you can reach him by telephone at 613-447-5383. That's 613-447-5383. You can also reach him by email at pat at theelitemanmethod.com. That's pat at TheEliteManMethod.com. You can also find him on the web at www.ElitePerformanceAcademy.ca. And you can also find him on social media, on Facebook at TheEliteManMethod, on Instagram at EliteCoach, and on Twitter at Elite Coach 16. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. 
We truly hope you found something of value in the show that you can use in your business or personal life. Please remember to like and subscribe to the show. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite player. Thank you.